Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including postseason baseball, the NFL, and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, for at least the next 24 hours, the positive vibes have returned to the Side Retired podcast. It is Dylan, as always, joined by Jack Steffenbeck. And well, we've got ourselves a game five. I know the three other series ended in handed fashion with the Phillies advancing, the Astros advancing, as well as the San Diego Padres advancing. If you want to hear our thoughts on the Phillies and the Astros advancing, that is in yesterday's episode right below this one. Jack, before we get into the Yankees, I know there's a lot to talk about between the Yankees and the DNs, but if you want to talk about the San Diego Padres knocking off the LA Dodgers just to begin, you're unbiased because I don't think either of us have a genuine rooting interest in the Dodgers or the Padres. How shocked are you that the 111 win Dodgers are going home after just one playoff win and getting spanked around by the San Diego Padres? Uh, three teams with a hundred, you know, there's, Four teams in total who won over 100 games this year, and three of them have been eliminated. So it just shows this new wild card round at, you know, baseball playoffs are already very unpredictable. They just add another, you know, cataclysmic matchups that we see teams with winning 101 games losing in three uh, in three game series and the one with 111 losing in five. So certainly, you know, I think the big on the immediate reaction is going to be talking about how the, the Dodgers, cho- you know, choked, quote unquote, you know, they lose three straight games. Very tough break for them. Um, but I think we first off, you have to give credit to the San Diego Padres. Several people would have listed the Mets and the Dodgers as the two best teams in the National League, if not the two best teams in MLB. So certainly a, a, an outstanding feat for them. Without Fernando Tatis Jr., they go on and are four wins away from going to the World Series. Very impressive for them. But I think the question begins, you know, you've got to start for the Dodgers. You know, if you've had the best team in baseball for you know, almost a decade now, you know, the, since 2017. They have been the class of the major leagues. They have one World Series to show for it, and they've made it to the World Series countless times and lost. Past two years, they've been the best team in baseball record-wise and have failed. This year, they even failed to make the championship series. Last year, they lost in it to the eventual World Series champion Braves. So does it beg the question, is Dave Roberts' job in question? Um, you know, are, are they going to be calling for the hot seat? It seems like the players love him over there. This year, he had a super, you know, juggernaut-esque lineup. Our previous guests called them the Justice League. You f- it figures Trey Turner is probably on the way out, considering, I don't know, how they maintain that high of a payroll, considering the contract he's going to receive this offseason. But certainly, you know, uh, a disappointing loss to Dodgers fans, considering how much they dominated the Padres. I think it's synopsis with their ace of this time frame, Clayton Kershaw, known for historically good regular season dominance and collapse in the postseason. That's very fitting with how the Dodgers have played. Baseball is a cruel game. I don't think the Dodgers there are, maybe it's they're nervous or anything. It's more so just a, like a reflection on baseball. The best team doesn't always win. The Dodgers were the best team this year by a wide margin. Best run differential since 1939. But baseball, the best team doesn't always win. And it shows it this year. We'll see how the one the best front office in baseball reacts. 
And with the Dodgers, it seems like it could be a an offseason of change with clubhouse leader Justin Turner as a free agent. Clayton Kershaw, again, as a free agent, is already again. Same rumors we heard last year. Is he going to retire? He's going to go home to Texas and all that fun stuff. Trey Turner seems like he's on his way out. They have a young prospect in Miguel Amaya that could bake over at some of the infield position, whether that's second and luck move over to short. But in some commodity, something could happen there with the Los Angeles Dodgers as well. Check out our recent interview with the Locked On Padres host for more information on the San Diego Padres. Jack, I know what you really want to talk about today, though. That is that your boy, Big Game Garrett, went out, did seven amazing innings, and now they are currently on a flight from Cleveland to the Bronx, probably to JFK, somewhere like that. And we will be playing baseball, depending on when you're listening to this, either tonight or tomorrow night as we'll be releasing this photo at some point Sunday night. But what are your thoughts on the Yankees completing the dominant legacy game that we set out for Cole yesterday, and we're playing a game five? Garrett Cole's playoff ERA today dropped to 281. The narrative during the offseason was heavy by he's not a big game pitcher without the spider attack, and he's continued to prove that wrong throughout this postseason. He hopes to continue to prove it against the Astros, a team he's pitched very well against. As the New York Yankees looked out, they jumped to an early lead, and then they maintained it. The Guardians fought back. Josh Naylor hit a home run, a little bloop, more defensive mishaps in left field, but that was still not enough as they held on. Clay Holmes was dominant. People are begging the question of whether or not he should have pitched uh, last night, and then Wandy Peralta came in and shut the door, getting Josh Naylor, the self-proclaimed father of Garrett Cole, to ground out. Uh, so I certainly... A monumentous win for the Yankees in a must-win game. They stay alive. Both teams are going to be piecing together pitching tomorrow. Um, they're, both of them will have their game two starters available out of the bullpen, but neither one of them are, have to feel great about their starting pitcher matchup with uh, Jamison Tyone taking on Cervale. So certainly uh, the potential for an offensive onslaught for both teams is certainly there with bullpens getting involved very early as a real possibility. So definitely a, a must-watch game, the only one available tomorrow um, as the winner will look to take on the Houston Astros. Uh, very big game for the Yankees. You know, I believe they were they were definitely favored and rightfully so for this game with their ace on the mound. They'll be without him and Luis Severino, most likely in game in, uh, in game five, while the Guardians will be without uh, Tristan McKenzie and Kyle Quantrill. So it's definitely... A big, big game. You know, the Guardians, they don't really have nearly as much at stake because make the argument, yeah, they jumped out to a 2-1 lead. But the Yankees, you have the dominant showing in game one. You have the third highest player role in baseball, second seed in the AL. For the majority of the season, you were the best team in baseball. A first-round exit, regardless of how it is, is not palatable. It's not acceptable. It'll wa uh, warrant several big off-season off shakeups, including, you know, I think we talked about it briefly. I don't know if this is on air or off. Maybe Aaron Boone's job is in the hot seat. I don't know. I think it, last night's uh, managerial decisions definitely raised questions that weren't there prior. But certainly huge stakes for both teams. The Guardians really entered this window before no one expected them to. So before anyone expected them to. And they for them to go on to a CS would certainly be a huge move. And for on the contrary, for the Yankees, for them not to make this championship series after all the stakes that were built up throughout this year, Certainly a failure of the season, but I think, you know, personally, a Yankees-Astros ALCS is what baseball needs. Um, my unbiased opinion, certainly, but... It's uh, true. <laughs> you know, 
considering but, the uh, NL no. side of the bracket. To, to be fair, you think, yeah, look at the NL side of the bracket. Padres, you know, <laughs> pa- Padres, pa- uh, Padres, Phillies. It's certainly not the Braves, Dodgers, or Braves, Mets matchup. I know I was personally hoping for, really looking forward to. So it's, a, a, you know, definitely a, a step down from the potential juggernaut than the history that the Yankees Astros have one versus one another. And, you know, I mean, say it is the Cleveland Guardians. It is baseball. Anything can happen. But the Astros are another stratosphere compared to the three remaining teams, if that's the case. So certainly I don't want to see the Astros win. I'm, I'm going to put that forward. I know H-Town uh, probably will be coming back on, hopefully, if the Yankees are playing the Astros. So he, I, I don't think he, he'll be shocked by that expectation for me. But definitely good baseball story either way, either with two juggernauts playing another or a classic David versus Goliath story. I think with the Cleveland Indians, what you have to think about is that they're not playing with house money. It's not really you can describe it as that because it is a game five, win or go home type of mentality. But I think it's a different style of offseason for these two teams, depending on who loses. I think, as you just mentioned with the Yankees, you lose in the ALDS. You're going to look at things and say, this was a failure of a season. I think with the Indians, when you look at them, you say, this is a successful season. You won the division when everyone predicted the Twins or the White Sox to win the division. And with the Royals and the Tigers technically on the upcoming, they were sort of the one team that was left out as, oh, maybe they win 80 games. Maybe they have a successful season. And now they've proven. I think we saw this earlier in the game before the Yankees sort of took things in control. The Indians are going to single you to death, whether it's Ahmed, whether it's Jimenez, whether it's Jose Ramirez, whether it's even Quan. There's nobody in this lineup other than Jose Ramirez that scares you, scares you. But you know at any given point, they could string together because I know we mentioned earlier that it's hard to string together two to three hits in a row. This is the team that can do that from top to bottom in their order, maybe except for Austin Hedges. But everyone one through eight has the legit possibility of getting a single, 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 and eventually a couple of them fall in, as we saw today with Aaron Hicks, which does, I will ask that one quick question to you after we killed Isaiah Kiner Falafa yesterday. And it seems like the Yankees are committed to Oswaldo Cabrera playing shortstop again in game five. Is this the right decision? Should Hicks still be starting in left field? Take out consideration Matt Carpenter playing left field because I think that's sort of a whole, that would obviously be ideal if you're a Yankee fan or Stanton playing left and Carpenter DHing, but it seems like they're not 100% on the health of Carpenter or Stanton being out in the outfield. So is Hicks starting in this game five the correct choice? I think the priority one had to be getting IKF out of the shortstop position. He was by far your biggest defensive liability in the first three games. And there's a reason why they slotted Oswaldo Cabrera, who was a natural shortstop. I think the ideal situation would be having Cabrera at short or Cabrera and left and Oswald Peraza at short, but Peraza was left off the postseason roster for the division series. So that's not possible barring injury. So having Cabrera slotted at short, I think was very good. He played very well tonight, made some nice plays. He doesn't have the same issues, whether mental or just, you know, a lack of physical skills and range that Cabrera had or that uh, IKF had. So definitely a, a nice performance there from Cabrera. And I think he's definitely, you know, Aaron Boone said possibly that's more so keeping cards closer to the chest. Cal Oswaldo Cabrera is going to be the starting shortstop tomorrow. Then left field, you know, Cabal Cabrera was fantastic today at short. I mean, fantastic, maybe overselling, but whatever. Um, Cabrera, he definitely had his mishaps in the first, in the two games the Yankees lost. And I think that's not being talked about enough as the reasons why they lost. You know, game two, it's J-Ram gets that little excuse me single. He took a poor route to the ball, period, in the beginning. Andrew Benintendi or Aaron Hicks possibly make that catch because, A, they're faster 
and they also they're they're more experienced left fielder. They can actually read the ball better. Cabrera has played a single digit amount of games in left field in his career, and there's a reason. You know, left field. Some people. I don't know if this is a widely known fact, but left field Yankee Stadium is a very hard position to play. That's why Brett Gardner, commonly the best defensive outfield, would slide over there rather than center because it's harder to read balls off the bat, especially given that little wall. I'll put over there. So it's a, a very tough position to play. Someone who's not an, even a natural outfielder, let alone a natural left fielder, to slot over there is a very difficult task. So for him to be out there in Yankee Stadium is certainly, and him not to, to succeed is no you know burden on him. But regardless, he may, takes a bad route. And then when Ramirez is a foot away from second base, he still tries to gun him out when the, there's no play to be had. The ball goes into right field. Ramirez goes to third. Guardians go on to drive him home and add another run, and the game is over. That's game two. Then in game three, similar situation. He takes a bad route to a ball that should be caught. If he catches that ball, there's two outs, no one on, and the Yankees likely win that game. Who knows how this game turns out in terms of how it's managed differently, but then you could possibly be looking at the Yankees already having wrapped the series up and on a flight to Houston tomorrow with Nestor Cortez lined up for game one, Luis Severino lined up for game two on regular rest. Regardless, that didn't happen, so I thought, yeah, the move should be as Waldo takes over for IKF, your bigger liability, and then Hicks slots in because he's the only other natural left fielder who you feel confident there. Aaron Hicks, you know, he did draw, draw a walk today, so that was uh, something to be had, but he did have a similar a deja vu play where he took a bad route himself, did not call off Josh Donaldson, and that's how Cleveland scored their first run. So if that's going to be the case, you know, you know you mentioned he's not available, but at that point, if we're going to get bad defense regardless, put in Matt Carpenter. He can hit. He can hit very, very well. On a pro-rate basis, he was even better than Aaron and Judge this season. So they're, they're, if you're going to have poor defensive, uh, a poor defensive player regardless, I'd rather get the guy who's going to be a much added and much needed bat to this lineup. I I assume it'd be a health thing that they're not staying yeah. out there as opposed um, to... But with that, you know, you asked for my ideal. I guess Hicks is still the answer because you have to have Cabrera at short mm-hmm. and you need out, out of your remaining options, it's Marwin Gonzalez or Hicks. Hicks is certainly a better defender. Or Timmy Lowe. What did you say? Or Timmy Lowe. Tilo, Tilo, he he, he stays on the bench between with Trevino, Donaldson, Stanton. Um, There's various, even Rizzo. Those guys get on late game. You want, uh, you want Lo Castro going on to get on, you know, the base run. He can steal a base. And then you have Marwin Gonzalez. If he's taking over someone like Rizzo or Donaldson, who could easily slot in there to play their positions. So he's got to stay on your bench. And then Hicks, he drew a walk today. That's the one thing he can excel at. You know, Prey, you know, short porch. He's switch hitter who predominantly hits left from the left side. So maybe he runs into a ball and it sends it into the, the shortest part of the ballpark tomorrow. So that's something to look forward to. But, you know, the main thing, definitely the best available defensive player, while maybe not great. And he also can get on base, draw walks, move that shows chains along, gets uh, the bat up for maybe Jose Trevino. For Harrison Bader, depending on where he's hitting, Oswaldo Cabrera, and then you know get turn get that line over turn up that is certainly going to be crucial to winning tomorrow. All right, well, time to put our money where our mouth is, and let's talk about our prediction for Game Five. Who you got winning, and we'll also go with your unsung hero or a specific moment <laughs> that you want to say on here. That way, if it does indeed happen, it'll for sure be on. If you haven't subscribed to any of these, the Twitter, the Instagram. The YouTube and the TikTok is all side re- at side retired pod on all four accounts. But Jack, your prediction for Game Five? Uh, the Yankees will, will win tomorrow. That's gonna be my uh, my prediction. Um, my unsung hero, 
I will go with Jonathan Lewisiga. I think pitches multiple innings of relief, comes in with runners on, shuts the door, and then pitches a clean inning to cement the win and for the Yankees to go on to face the Houston Astros in the ALCS. Does Aaron Judge hit a home run? Yes. Of course. I kind of boxed you into that corner. Anything else, or is that your – those are your two guys? I think Jamison Tyone has a serviceable start. I don't, I'm not going to get my expectations too high. I think his, like, staple start has been six six innings, three runs. I don't think he'll get that long of a leash, but I think he'll keep them in the ball game. Uh, maybe five innings, one run from him for the start. That would be – very, that would make me very happy if that's what we're getting out of JMO. Hopefully, the offense shows up against Savali. And then on the Guardian side, you have Stephen Kwan, who's going to definitely work counts, try to force him out of the game. And then you have uh, Ramirez, Oscar Robinson, you know, um, Andres Jimenez. So, certainly no shortage of bats. I think having watched this Cleveland game for four games, you know, people were talking about how they can't score. And while maybe that might seem true, considering they only scored two today, one in game one. Two uh two runs in the entirety of uh regular play and you know uh the five the six last night but three of which came in the last inning so it might not seem that they're a potent offense but they certainly feel like it given Stephen Kwan having one of if not the best hit tools in baseball Jose Ramirez being Jose Ramirez and then Oscar Robinson and I saw someone say he's the right-handed Oscar David Gonzalez Ortiz. Oscar Gonzalez someone say that he is the right-handed David Ortiz which if he's that tomorrow then you know. That's going to be PTSD for all Yankee fans. I think I will go with there's going to be a, a benches clearing incident. I don't know if it's going to be Josh Naylor, but I think tensions will be high, especially coming off of, and I can't believe we didn't really talk about this that much, but I guess there will be more on it tomorrow. Josh Naylor walking around the bases saying that Garrett Cole's his son. Well, we kind of lost the game, so you got to whatever. And they didn't even, it wasn't even a tying home run. They were down three to one, and that homer just made it three to two. So definitely interesting timing there. On that, apparently he's done that in the past to other pitchers, but since it's the first time it's in the playoffs, it's the first time it's on the national stage, but we have to do more research to believe that. But I think, A, there will be a benches clearing incident. B, Josh Naylor is going to come up late in this game. Maybe it's against Jonathan Loisega, but in a pivotal moment in this game, and whoever wins that at bat, whether it's the Yankee reliever or it's Josh Naylor, that's going to be who wins this game. I also believe, and here's where I'll do my specific prediction, that Owen Miller, right-handed bat, especially if Nestor Cortez is going to be pitching in this game, Lucas Lickie probably gets in this game, even Wandy Peralta might be available again. I think this is a game where Owen Miller hits his first postseason home run. It's going to happen in a pivotal moment here in Game 5 off of a Yankees left-handed pitcher, but that for Owen Miller. So we've got Jack is going with the Yankees. I'm going with the DNs winning this game. So until the next time, for Dylan, James, and Jack, we will be doing an instant reaction episode, I think it's safe to say, following the conclusion of Monday night's game, as well as a couple other fun interviews talking about the other games, previewing the NLCS, the ALCS, and a couple other fun interviews as well that are not pertaining to the MLB playoffs, but still continuing with our fun, learning more about the insides of the baseball industry. So for Dylan, James, and Jack, until the next time, the side is retired.